Hello. <laughs> What's up, everybody? How you doing? Hey, everyone. I'm Christian. And I'm Michael. And this is Work Club Balance. <laughs> What's up, guys? We're back. Obviously, we had some before I was so rudely interrupted. What? Um, <laughs> Christian started to criticize my intro. But you guys let me know if you like it or not. I feel like I'm getting in my groove in this podcast thing, so I want to be consistent with you I'm guys. just saying, you straighten up your posture and everything for the intro. It's really, <laughs> it's really fun to watch. Man, it's that energy. Uh, so yeah, man, we're excited about this episode, yes. as we are with every episode, because we appreciate the time. You know, we appreciate the time it takes to listen to us. We appreciate the time it takes and the energy that we have to do it. So we thank you guys for listening. And this episode is when did you first fall in love with fashion? Yes. So this is it's kind of fun because one of our key connections was fashion. Yeah. And retail. Yeah. And um Ten years later, we we started a apparel company, and yeah. so that's always been one of our common interests. Yeah, definitely. I mean, last night I watched the uh, new Netflix documentary called "The Remix," uh, produced by Miss Cortez. Uh, man, brought back a lot of memories, a lot of insight, a lot of dope fashion, dope people, just dope everything. Different walks of life, different perspectives. All about how black culture influenced the fashion world. So it definitely got me thinking, got me talking, and I was like, yo, baby, we should, yeah, we let, let's talk about it. And also, I can't wait to watch it because your girl fell asleep. I was <laughs> tired. So I was a little like, oh man, you watched it and now I gotta catch up with you, you and watch catch it. Up. But you catch up. yeah, I, I definitely. From what you share with me, I got to watch that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so let's dive in. So when did you fall in love with fashion? So I would say, like, this was around high school, um, like my junior-ish year. Mm -hmm. And do you remember the Style Channel? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Like, I used to watch, I used to watch... when everyone else was watching like BT Uncut, no, I'm just playing like late at night, midnight love and stuff like that. I would love watching just the style channel. Like I remember watching all the fashion shows. Yeah. Um, Me too. It was like my first little peep into international fashion and design. And I was just so in awe by it, which was interesting because at the time, I played basketball and <laughs> I I don't recall myself having that much of an interest in fashion until that point. So hmm. it's kind of like a little interesting. But what about your grandmother teaching you how to sew and kind of like those projects? She, do you think that was in there some? Well, she taught me how to sew, but we would do like some fun projects like i remember making like a tooth fairy pillow and (laughs) like i would like to make practical things when Mm -hmm. i sewed Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like i was trying to design trying to be a trendsetter no well i did do i did do this one little project with my grandmother where i bought these jeans from express and i wanted to make them into a skirt so we would do some experimental things but i don't think i was like super into like the fashion trend yeah. until 
high school and probably peer pressure and stuff like that, trying to look cool. But yeah, that's what I could first recall when I fell in love with fashion. What about you, Michael? I mean, it's hard to pinpoint, to be honest. Um, obviously, when we thought about it, I was trying to think about a specific spot or a specific place. But for me, you know, having an artistic background or loving to draw, being an artist, however you want to call it, DC uniquely has this entrepreneurial fashion spirit that sometimes gets undocumented and not acknowledged. So with DC, it was always categorized as island on its own. And I think when you mm-hmm. have when you have music of all your own, I think you can get categorized being on the island all your own, i.e. the infamous go-go, which is <laughs> the vibe of the city, the official music of the city yeah. these days. But um, that spirit of different brands I grew up seeing, like there was this one brand called DDTP, which was designer discount trading post. It was this brand... I don't even know who used to make it, but they had this shop over and uh, on the south side and everybody had DDTP shirts. Did you have a shirt? I got me one shirt. I got I got one shirt. How much did they cost? Like Man, you know what? I don't know, but I know I have the picture. It's like my sixth grade class picture and I'm just like not smiling, head <laughs> high with this DDTP shirt and I'm just like so proud of it. Like, man, I got me a DDTP shirt. And so... Um, so I, I think that's probably that's probably one of my first like memories. But was it a black designer? Or, that's the you thing. Know, you know, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. But within that realm, you had DDTP, you had Hobo, you had Sampiato, We Are One, Madness. Um, all these brands were heavy in the city, even way before Sean John, Rockaware, like yeah. all those brands, and so. You know, when I was able to have a conversation with Mr. Dapper Dan doing his thing, now New York Times bestseller, dressed in the stars. I casually said that. No, I mean, it's real. <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah, it was a good moment for me to kind of yeah. like meet somebody that understood DC as a cultural hub and as a fashion spot. And, you know, he was able to say, yeah, man, those guys were kind of doing their thing a little bit before, you know, urban became a billion dollar industry Mm -hmm. so you know that was encouraging and i think that influenced me because there's a time where people who didn't have the manufacturing capabilities Mm. to get embroidery done or have to connect you could go to the union market grab you up some blanks and then you can start your own brand or you can you know start putting your artwork on t-shirts and that's where i started so i saw somebody do a brand called City Life with some glitter and some fabric paint. I said, man, I could do that. So I called it Joker Sport. And that's where I started. And I think Joker Sport <laughs> is, is still like, <laughs> we still have some Joker Sport in, in one of our little moving boxes somewhere. Man, I think Joker Sport got retired. But, yeah, no uh, one say nothing about your Joker Sport collection man it's all good but i think it's really cool because i know you used to like share with me stories about dc fashion and those brands um and designers and one thing that i i think is really dope is just how much the city supported those designers and brands because um it it does seem like something that 
is kind of like geographic mm-hmm. in a sense. Mm-hmm. But the fact that um, even when you like spoke with Dapper Dan, like he immediately identified because before when you would talk to me about it, I'd be like, oh, you might be <laughs> whatever. I ain't heard of all that. Yeah. But then he was like, oh, yeah, like it was it was just so familiar um, to him and basically pretty identical to like how you um, would describe it in that experience. So I think that's that's like powerful, like. When you talk about DC Pride and, um, you know, just that city love and city support. Yeah, I mean, it's a unique spot. I mean, I don't think you can go into any major city in the history books in terms of, like, fashion or apparel and see multiple, like, brands, like, come up. But I did learn from watching this documentary, shout out to uh, Walkerwear, which I learned about. Um, in a documentary who was based out of Brooklyn, a woman designer, actually one of the only women designers in that time of hip hop fashion when it was really, you know, when it was really growing. I mean, they told one story, which I thought was so dope because if you're in the fashion mix, you know about the magic trade shows and, you know, project and all that, Mm -hmm. you know, essentially those were for the big name brands like Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, all these particular brands. And so when Walker wear cross colors, uh, I think maybe FUBU as well, they wanted to go to the magic show. They put them off in the corner somewhere in a little suite, mm-hmm. but they wrote like $2 million each, you know, that particular season. So that just goes to show you like the power of the, you know, the culture and the energy um, that these brands and our influence had on the culture. One thing that I used to love watching too, there's like this show called The Look for Less. Oh yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> on, um, on the style channel. And it mm-hmm. was like, it was so random, but you could like give someone a $50 budget and see what <laughs> outfit they could create out of $50. Yeah. And your girl's budget was limited at the time. Yeah, so it forced me to be very creative with my clothing. And um, sometimes too, I would just like try to put it off like, oh, I'm too, too good for these, <laughs> these brands. I'm like just creating my own thing because... You know, at the time I couldn't afford it and my parents for sure weren't buying me, Man. you know, like true religions and all that. So I had to, which I felt like we had that in common when we met and we like about to share that. these stories. It was like it forced us to be creative with like our apparel and stretch it out to like two seasons and <laughs> <laughs> and like Yo. and make it work and so that's another thing that I loved about it because it really allowed me to just like tap into this creative space of self-expression and um I don't know it just gave me a sense of just a sense of like pride and like I created this this is my vision it makes me feel good wearing it um I feel good. I used to go to the alley in LA, like me and my homegirls <laughs> when we were in high school and we would like buy our little t-shirts and stuff like that and remix it Man. for school. But, um, yeah, you, you just, I mean, I'm just, I'm just smiling over here. Cause it's so funny being able to talk about these things in this structure, but we, our stories are so similar. I mean, you took it with being creative with your hands and like, doing you know mixing and matching you know my thing is like i'm just going to draw my art and put my art on my clothes 
And hey, like you, like you said, hey, I couldn't afford the hobo was going for like maybe 120 bucks a sweater or something no, like that. No, something crazy, you know, like hobo, yeah. uh, Salviato, man, you know, shoot, we are one. Like these brands were a little bit out of my reach, but I'm young, junior high school. I just put all, I just put my name on all my stuff. But I wasn't again, rocking Jordans or anything. I, I, I had, may have had one pair of Jordans. I had Jordans. one pair of Jordans in the second grade. I got the picture to prove that. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I think what's cool is that over time, I think our styles likely evolved. And I think we probably still remain kind of like at our unique perspective about our own personal style, which I always think is cool. But our stories are so similar. We just express them in different ways, you know, contention on our environment, which I think is cool, too. But this also kind of leads us to. Yeah. And like outside of right after you graduated high school and you're two years older than me. Mm-hmm. So um, you started working for a brand up against the wall <laughs> and out right after high school. I want to say when I was like 18 turning 19, I started working at the same company. Yeah, I started working at the. Um, You're just in two different states two working. Different states. Um, it was uh, 11th grade. 11th, my 11th Oh, you started, grade, yeah. sorry, yeah. My 11th, 11th grade. grade, yeah. Shout out to my man, Alton Fleming. If you ever listen to this, bro, I appreciate you because <laughs> he gave me the plug. He saw me doing my thing. I, was, I found out he worked there. And I was like, man, put me on. Did you have to audition? Yeah, I had to audition. Oh, okay, I was gonna say, did you get to skip a little step? No, nah, you used nah, to have to audition man. to get the job. Yeah, this like. is this is what a cool. This is all the cool kids work, and so my thing with up against the wall was cool because it actually originated in Washington D.C. Um, so one of the original stores was in Georgetown. So Georgetown, mm-hmm. in terms of like D.C. fashion, is like where you go to get your mix. But the unique thing about Georgetown, from a historical black perspective, it was definitely. Um, at one point had parts of it that was predominantly filled with African-Americans doing their thing. So over time and, you know, as things change and the economy shifted, you know, those black souls were relocated to different directions of the mm-hmm. city. But Georgetown grew into a retail hub. And this is where Up Against the War started. Um, and so where all the cool kids will work, you get a nice little hefty discount. Just to spend it on more clothes. <laughs> Just to spend your whole small. check. They you knew know. what they were doing. But the unique thing about Up Against the Wall, or at least for our experiences, we were able to see all the major trends come yeah. in and out, but then also to be exposed to international brands. Like I remember I was really, I love me a diesel like shirt or like some diesel shoes was like a big thing or like Moschino and VNG and Visu, PRPS, like. Man, like in this one particular retail spot, you know, the, they were pre. Man, I mean, they were. I feel like there's pre- no other. Um, there's no other store right now, like like a up against the wall. It was literally like a culture. That's like if there's ever some type of documentary just talking about the culture in that yeah that time yeah, um, man, time frame. Out, you know, I feel like up against the wall should definitely being included or highlighted in some way just because there's been so many dope like creatives and um, people in the industry who have just emerged from working there and like Michael said he started in DC where I worked in Lakewood California that was my first up against the wall (laughs) location and then I eventually became 
a store manager um, mm-hmm. at Fox Hills Mall and then at South Bay Galleria. And after that, I received my first corporate role yeah. <laughs> as a regional, regional visual merchandiser for the whole um, like West Coast area, which was fun because at the time, I technically wasn't even legally allowed to drink. I was like under 21, but I was like, oh, I have this really cool title. I'm able to travel to Northern California and to stores within Southern California. So uh, yeah, it was like a really dope experience. And Michael and I, we knew of each other, we, which we kind of kind of passed. We kind of passed. We uh, kind of like paths. crossed paths, but it wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't like we were like cool, cool. We just knew of each other. Well, I knew. I mean, I for so backing up a little bit. Uh, I knew more of who you were, but <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, you know. But uh, nah, that's only because I wore suits in L.A. and nobody wears suits. No in LA. wore a suit. But um, but I started in up against the wall, like the eleventh grade of high school. Uh, graduated from Dunbar Pre Engineering High School, and then from there, like right around that time, I got introduced to a nonprofit actually called Education Through Design that told me, hey, you know, you can take this hobby or this interest that you have in fashion and you know mold it into a career. And so that allowed me some great opportunities i was able to intern with uh sean john right when it was popping and it was like at its peak you know and then from there i next time i was able to do up against the wall i was able to intern for mark echo that was another fashion experience that i was able to get was able to work with uh uh the infamous emil wilkerson uh he was a editor at vibe so it was like a good it was a good mix and i think that particular time led me to California, which I always wanted to have by coastal experience. And granted, up against the wall, opened up and expanded to the West Coast. So that allowed me to, once I finished schooling in Philadelphia, allowed me to go out to California and at least have a job. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we we ended up eventually like connecting, of course, and getting married and then like six months after we got married, we moved to um, West to New York, East New Jersey, which our intentions were to live in New York City. But the yeah. place we found at the time that we actually loved was, was the perfect combination. Of yeah, space, which was the perfect combination and of, price. A- absolutely. <laughs> which was in technically New Jersey, which was like right across from New York City. So you could like see the whole skyline of New York City and take the ferry right on in. Um, So it was a quick commute. But I knew that like Michael and I together had, I don't want to, I don't necessarily know if the word is void, but we just always aspired to have that New York City experience. And so- Yeah, it was a dream. I mean, I think- you know, from your, I know your experience with it. You know, my experience was again going back to this, uh, going back to this nonprofit. I mean, for me coming from DC, I remember the first time, and I think probably this is probably the combination, like to the question, like when did you first fall in love? This is almost like when I first fell in love with New York. I just can recall that energy when I first went to New York and hit Seventh Avenue, and everybody was just walking so fast paced. 
different, so much of a different speed from DC. <laughs> so many people, and I just remember walking up Seventh Avenue, just being amazed by the buildings, the people, just everything. And I mean, it's electric man, this trip. I mean, I mean, you probably you won't believe me. Like the people we were able to meet within this trip, within this nonprofit, which. On this particular trip, we met Russell Simmons. He had just he just had a book come out. Uh, I think one of his first books. We met uh, his wife, Baby was Fat. It Kimora? Kimora was oh, Baby okay. Fat. <laughs> Baby Fat was popping. We met Misa Hilton at Justin's, used to be Puff Daddy's restaurant mm-hmm. in New York, and she was featured in actually the uh, in the documentary as well. I, I'm not gonna give up her story, but yo, check out Misa Hilton for for sure. And we was able to like, you know, go to some of the top modeling agencies, uh, stay at a, you know, dope hotel. I mean, you like all the bougie yeah. stuff. <laughs> Man, so bougie. I'm just saying, <laughs> when I think about it, it, I mean, it was a really fun trip to be quite honest with oh the Met. So, I mean, that was, and I think why I'm saying this, because I think I'm yearning or long for experience that kids can, you know, have that experience and people to kind of like, you know, give that experience that we had. So, I always joke with Michael because even though we both have worked in like the same, the same kind of like field, we've had different positions within these same dynamics. So yeah. I feel like I'm like the roll your sleeves up, like get your hands dirty <laughs> worker. And Michael's always been the like, hmm, let me approve it or not. Like the yeah. the little bougie um, yay or nay <laughs> type of uh fashion experience you you've had so yeah i mean that's true too i mean i definitely had to pull in some late hours and you know some long some long nights you know working in la so i'm not uh i'm not distant to that i'm not lost in that but i think it's a beautiful thing because it's it's so many dynamics within Mm -hmm. fashion and retail and it's such a huge chain of operation to bring things to life to bring creativity to life in the the pieces and what the vision is but i think too it's all um purposeful like the things that we've individually experienced both professionally and personally that have brought us to this point because the funny thing is (laughs) we ended up moving to new york and from there DC proper and Compton Flight Club was birthed, yeah. which really just ultimately brought us back to our roots and like our heritage. And, um, you know, I just, yeah, I, I just always think like, even though I'm no longer professionally working in the fashion realm because, because kids and all that, I decided to take a step back and, you know, no longer work the corporate life and just focus on what we're doing and like the family, I've been able to apply a lot of those experiences from like, you know, like I, I traveled to like 33, 35 States in the U S and like I've traveled to so many different like countries before the Instagram days and all that. that. But it's like, I'm grateful that, I had those experiences when I had them. Like I was, you know, 20 in my 20s. um, And I first started like traveling just around the world and um, domestically, like when I was 20. And so 
just those experiences alone of just seeing different cultures within our states and outside um, of our country and just having those experiences definitely have influenced me um, so much. And I've been able to take that and apply it to our business and our vision. And they've, they've actually contributed to some filters that I have with how I like choose to operate things or so it, it's all, it's all kind of like purposeful. Man, it's definitely purposeful, man. I mean, I started in retail. I still can't just not fold a shirt the way I learned how to fold it. At, <laughs> I'm sorry. Remember that t-shirt? I'm sorry. Board? Oh my oh goodness. My I'm sorry. I mean, but that, I mean, again, I mean, learning so many things like, you know, discipline and definitely as I've grown up and I able to, you know, mature and reflect, you know, there's definitely some areas that I definitely could approve then or have more exposure to in terms of, uh, you know, other areas of life. But in terms of like aesthetics and in terms of putting things together and how you and perspective, I think that's what fashion was allowed, has allowed me. And just looking at things from different perspectives, but then also to um, having it, everything look a certain way. Did you ever feel like frustrated with fashion or like, did you ever have a, I'm over this moment or I'm, I'm done? No, nah, I mean, you know, for me, it's unique because I think it's just, it's like what it's like. And again, like this is probably more historic, you know, when you think about black life and you think about our history from a country perspective, how you didn't have much. And, you know, the much you had, you had to remix it and turn it into something else that fills you with a certain amount of pride, that mm -hmm. gives you a certain amount of identity. And I think that is so intertwined into Black life that it's hard to get away from it, even though it doesn't have to be your end-all, be-all. But mm -hmm. like what you said, I love what you said. You said, man, when I wear this, I feel good. It makes me feel confident. Like, I know I did this. I created this. And when you're able to transfer that energy to other people, I think that's powerful. And I think yeah. that's a language that, you know, some people are gifted to speak. And some people speak it for different reasons, for cloud or for whatever. It's like, man, I, nothing can take away the pride that I see somebody like rocking a shirt that I designed or rocking something that I thought about or created. Like that, that doesn't go away. And I think it doesn't go away for like any designer that, mm -hmm. you know, is truly doing it, you know, so... I think it's, you know, obviously you can get frustrated with like, oh man, you didn't, you know, you didn't get this order or you did, this didn't come through, stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I think ultimately, man, I think it's always a part of us and I think it's always a part of our expression. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I know, I I mean, you definitely know, I've had my moments yeah. of, <laughs> I <know>. of frustrations, <laughs> even when we moved to New York and remember it was like one job I had interviewed for and I was like promised a certain position and they totally lied to me basically yeah. and basically were like no we feel like you can't be any more than a sales associate and I literally like it was so wrong I literally went back inside the store grabbed my purse and walked that's a whole nother episode walked, like, walked <laughs> home like I walked all the way to Port Authority to take the bus back and it was like Walking 40 blocks, I was that livid. And I was on the phone with you just venting about it. Like, how dare they tell me 
I've been to Dubai and Asia and I've opened like 20,000 square foot stores and you're saying I can't manage this 600 square I, mean, I was so yeah, living. And I mean, so, man, I hate to kind of like dive in on it like that, but man, some people ignorance is just, they, they lock people in boxes for whatever I, reason. Oh my gosh, that's so, so true. And then, cause mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know your story. I was right there with you. Obviously I wanted to play the safe road and be like, man, find something else before you quit while well, we just moved out here. But at the end of the day, it can, it can be frustrating though, yeah, because it's like just from a black woman's perspective, yeah. especially working in a corporate realm, I do. I do think we constantly have to adjust ourselves. Man, this might and, be a part too. Yeah. And it was, it was like, there were times where I was extremely frustrated yeah. just because I felt like no matter what I did, um, or how I did it, the acknowledgement or even just like sheer recognition sometimes would never fall short. Yeah, it would just always fall short. So there were some moments where it did make me like question myself or doubt my capabilities or like my gifts. And it's like, you know, should I have did something else? Should I be a nurse? Because, like, <laughs> oh, you man. know, it's everybody that's their loss, it was, though. It was a little different, you know, back then, like being in the being in a fashion industry space was. You know, it's a different career choice. So, and like I told you, I mean, I didn't, <laughs> I really, and this is the honest truth, but I really didn't look more into your perspective from being one, a woman in the particular space, being a minority in the space, being a mother in the space, and how so much that you have to deal with from like a mental perspective, and especially working in like the fashion space when exhausting your rep- <laughs> when your representation doesn't reflect you. Yeah. So. I've come to understand that on a personal note. And I think just listening to you and hearing my perspective, like, hey, I'm going to always be within this space. But truth is, when we moved to New York, New Jersey, I was out, semi out the fashion space. I took an assistant manager job at United mm-hmm. Colors of Benetton. Chris was like, man, you so much better than that. Mm-hmm. And that's the wifey, though. I mean, I just wanted to work. And I think that's obviously. You were hustling. Yeah, I think that speaks to men, you know, just yeah. our ambition. But. I was able to transition out. I went into the luggage industry, which is, you know, definitely different. But I think I kind of appreciated that shift in that adjustment because the ideas and the creativity that I was able to have and separate, I was able to put towards what we wanted to do. And I was able mm-hmm. to express myself in that. And I honestly, I put it up on the shelf for a while, you know. So I put what I initially started. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I put it on the shelf for a while. Um, and then we picked it back up. But... I think where we are now is where we were always supposed to be um, because it becomes a little bit bigger than ourselves. Yeah, it's, I just think it's always, um, it's it's kind of cool, like how everything kind of led us to this point right now. And yeah. of course, it's going to continue to be a grind, even within having like our own company. It, it's still like a fight. Um, yeah. Because things aren't handed to us like we have to work for those opportunities and continue to just press forward and be bold with our voices and our vision and now it's it's getting to I feel like it's getting to that place where it's like okay now it's all 
coming together because it is a process like and sometimes we hear so much of the after story we we like don't speak enough about the we're in the thick of it story story which those are the stories that i i personally like to hear more of because I want to actively learn, like, all right, how can how can I apply this? Like, because I do feel like we can all learn from one another. And so, um, yeah, I, I even think with the life will dress, like we're finally like getting in that space where it's like, oh, OK, like people are, are hitting us up about like D.C. proper versus us having to like grind it out and like put it out there like, hey, y'all. Heard of DC proper? Here we are. Here's yeah, our info. It's, it's, so it's it's really nice. But of course, there's still so much work that needs to be done and that we still have to continue to do together and, um, you know, just work together on on all all things. All fronts, man. No, I mean, this is fantastic. I yeah. appreciate it, man. I just want to say, you know, on record, like I, you know, I appreciate you and I appreciate your your vision and your experience and at times i took it for granted but i appreciate that you stuck it out and that you know we're able to continue to be great yeah and i i appreciate you too because i think it's all a not to sound cliche but it is all a balance like you balance me out in ways that um help me out and it helps us out ultimately and so I appreciate that too, because it's like, we both love fashion. You're more, I always call you like the creative mastermind. Like you're very um, colorful and let me trace outside the lines. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm very like shade the inside first, Mm. then start to color in. So I think we definitely like balance each other out. But um, these type of conversations are always fun for me to have with you because it's like takes you back a little bit nah it's good man we appreciate you guys I mean we thank you for the time definitely check out the new documentary on Netflix you know check that out the remix definitely a learning lesson definitely some history in there shout out to Dapper Dan Mr. Hilton yo it's a dope so, I mean, hey, it got me excited. But um, thank you I'm guys. I'm still a little salty. <laughs> you could have at least started watching it and been like, oh, let me pause Man. it. Yo, this Watch is one, you with Christian. This is one thing I just watched. I didn't even really say much. I didn't take no notes. I just watched it and absorb, you know, the game. Man. But it's all good. You I, know my energy hits yeah, different these you days. Know, I know. Get my, you gotta get my You gotta rest. get your naps in. But, so, but thank you all. Yeah, thank you guys for listening. Check us out. You know, Work Love Balance Podcast on Instagram. Uh, you can follow myself, uh, Michael of AOWD. And check out Wifey at, at Mrs. Krish. And then also, you can a, check out alifefulldress.com. Alifefulldress.com. And, and Diary of Mom's blog. I also um, recently started a new podcast called Diary of Mom's interviews and stories that are available on all platforms except for SoundCloud. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like my motherhood womanhood space and you can hear other women 
sharing their journey, their experiences, their stories, um, how they navigate motherhood and just womanhood. So check it out.